and welcome to the Voice of Wealth podcast. I'm Charlotte de Capoisson. My guest today is Ed Sheng, Global Chief Investment Officer at BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Hello, Ed. It's so good of you to join me. It's my pleasure, Charlotte. You published an interesting paper on Bitcoin recently, and that is today's topic for discussion. Now, there's been a lot of hype and interest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in recent years. I've read your paper, but to be honest, I still don't understand what Bitcoin is all about, what the fuss is about. And in a nutshell, could you explain more about it? Well, okay, so that's quite difficult because really you could go on for hours about what Bitcoin is and what people think it is. But <clears throat> at its basic level, it is a digital currency. It is, uh, and it's a global digital currency, so it's not tied to any particular country or authority or central bank. It's widely distributed in terms of its um, the, what we call the blockchain, which is the sort of central database that underlies who owns Bitco the Bitcoins. And in a sense, that is the attraction. The attraction of Bitcoin is that it is not able to be controlled or manipulated by any central authority, whether it be a national government or a national central bank, in the same way that, for instance, the US dollar, the euro, the pound sterling, or any other national currency can, in theory, be uh, to some degree manipulated or controlled by the by the national authorities. So Bitcoin doesn't have a national authority of the same ilk. What it does have is an underlying algorithm that determines um, how Bitcoins are distributed. And probably one of the most important things about Bitcoin, which sets it apart from these national paper currencies, is that um, there is a hard limit of 21 million Bitcoins. They will never be according to the algorithm, any more than 21 million Bitcoin ever in circulation. And indeed, there are about 18.6 million at the moment. And that rate will grow, but very slowly until it reaches 21 million. So that, in a nutshell, is Bitcoin. So, I mean, does that appeal to you as an investment, Charlotte, at all? Not really, Ed, because I still don't know enough about it. And I wouldn't be confident about it and don't feel it's a concrete investment. So. Anyway, I've also Googled the topic online and I can see that Bitcoin has gone up more than 92% year to date, which is very impressive. Now, why would I be interested in investing in Bitcoin right now, Ed? I mean, what are the advantages for someone like me and how would it fit in a portfolio of stocks, bonds and real estate? Well, um, I think, first of all, you make a very good point about the strong upwards price momentum. It's gained a lot uh, over a short period of time. And indeed, if you look since uh, something like 2016 or 2017, Bitcoin's ascent has been pretty, well, nothing short of astonishing, shall we say. So those who invested back then, and, and if they had held, would be sitting on some very impressive gains today. And I think that's probably the biggest argument, the biggest reason that most people have for buying Bitcoin is simply that, they feel it goes up a lot and they want to get on that momentum train, um, which is not, I think, advisable as an investment strategy, honestly, to invest something you don't really understand. But there we go. That's the main reason. I think there are some valid reasons for investing in Bitcoin, namely for those people who live in countries where either there is rampant inflation and or uh, rapidly depreciating currency. Buying something like Bitcoin, which is outside of that national currency is a way of protecting yourself against currency depreciation and against the erosion of your um, of your of the value 
of your savings. So it's a way of protecting the value of your savings in these sorts of economies in, for instance, the Middle East or Africa or other 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 high inflation, highly depreciating currency environments. Um, so that would be a very valid argument. I think as well, the ease of transporting it across borders because it is a digital currency and like something like paper or gold, um, you know, you don't have to put it in a massive suitcase to, to, to transport. You can transport large amounts of value digitally without any problem in theory. And of course, that is a huge advantage versus um, uh, physical currencies or, or, or other assets. So does that sort of change the story for you at all, Charlotte? Well, actually, I'm starting to come around to the idea. It could be an awesome investment and a quick a way to make quick gains, as you say. But just to be sure, am I missing anything? I mean, is it really all that straightforward? Well, well, no, obviously not. I've given you the glossy, optimistic version. But of course, there are a number of drawbacks. I haven't got time to list them all, in fact. But let's just focus on a few, uh, the most obvious ones. Firstly, the volatility. If we look at price of Bitcoin, it goes all over the place in the short term. And indeed, if you look back over the last four or five years, there have been numerous occasions where the price of Bitcoin has dropped anywhere between 50 to 80% from its peak. Um, so it's a pretty wild ride. And most investors, I think, would be hard pressed to undergo that sort of volatility without having a few sleepless nights. So I think there is a lot of risk attached with Bitcoin. Simply from a mathematical point of view and a psychological point of view, it can be very tough to hold on. Um, indeed, People who are buy and hold uh, investors in Bitcoin call themselves hodlers, but I think it's actually quite difficult to be a hodler for the long term, given this level of volatility. There are other risks, namely the risk of losing your Bitcoin through, for instance, a cyber hack of a cryptocurrency exchange. And this has happened in the past several times, for instance, with Bitfinex and Mt. Gox. And in each case, hackers stole large amounts of Bitcoin, which meant that investors who had held Bitcoin in those exchanges lost some or all of their investment. So that's a risk. It's not under your control, but it can happen. It has happened in the past. Um, I think really the third disadvantage is the risk of increased regulation in the sense that um, if you look, for instance, at India, the Indian government are considering completely banning the ownership of cryptocurrency by Indian nationals. So it will be illegal for an Indian national to hold Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. Uh, in the UK and the US, National regulators have warned quite clearly about the dangers of investing in such a volatile and uncertain investment, where if you invest in either the cryptocurrency or underlying derivatives, you could lose some or all of your investment. And this is a, a, this is a warning that's been very clearly made by these financial regulators. Um, and, I, and I think that's a problem. It's a very complex product. And I think that it takes a lot to understand. And ultimately... I think you just should not invest in things that you don't really understand. Wouldn't you agree, Charlotte? Isn't that the way you would do your investments? Uh, yes, I guess so. Um, so if the price of Bitcoin has gone up so much, how do you know we're not in a bubble? Well, we could well be in a bubble. Um, again, the definition of a bubble is always difficult. In a sense, you only really know, you can only really identify a bubble once it has burst. We would argue even if Bitcoin is in a bubble, it's difficult to say it's burst because prices obviously gained a lot. But there are several characteristics that are very reminiscent of an, of an investment bubble of the type we've seen before. Um, you see it all over the news. So there's a huge increase in news articles 
uh, about Bitcoin, about the possibility of investing in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. On top of that, you've had this very rapid price appreciation, of course. And thirdly, you have a huge widespread retail investor involvement in buying cryptocurrency in Bitcoin. And you see a massive surge in interest in, in retail investors over the past uh, few months, not to mention the last year or two. So I think those are three classic characteristics of an investment bubble. Um, and I think that is a risk. If it bursts, you could be sitting on very big losses. And I think that's why it's very difficult to recommend Bitcoin as an investment for a private, in, a private individual, for a private client, because of that, that risk. There is a lot of risk attached. And yes, it may well continue to go up. Absolutely. Like in any bubble, um, bubbles can go on for much longer than you think. But when they do burst, the, as, as the investors in the 1929 Wall Street crash found out, for instance, or in the tech bubble that burst back in 2000, uh, investors at that point can be left nursing very heavy losses. And I think that is a very real risk today with cryptocurrency. I mean, that, that doesn't really reassure you, does it? <laughs> Another thing which is bothering me, Ed. So if companies are mining a huge amount of Bitcoin and using up loads of electricity, that sounds really environmentally unfriendly, doesn't it? Perhaps the ESG-focused investors won't be satisfied with that aspect. I completely agree. I think it's a very important point to make that Bitcoin mining, which is the, the, um, the way that, that companies and individuals generate Bitcoin by performing very complex mathematical calculations on their computers um, to earn more Bitcoin, uh, do end up using an enormous amount of electricity um, to the extent that global Bitcoin mining, according to the University of Cambridge, is estimated to consume as much electricity as the entire country of Argentina over a year. So it's really the equivalent of Argentina's electricity consumption. That is huge. And what is the, what is the economic benefit? Some questionable, really. So we're definitely using all this electricity. Not sure what the benefit in the long term really is and whether it's justifiable. So I think from an ESG standpoint, extremely questionable. And if you are an investor interested and wanting to invest uh, in an ESG compliant fashion, this is definitely, I think, not for you. Okay, so we've talked about Bitcoin. and But what, other, what about other cryptocurrencies like Dogecoin, Coin, and Bonanno? I mean, they sound so absurd, Ed. Do people really invest in these things? And how do they fare compared with um, Bitcoin? I mean, apparently they do, Charlotte, but frankly, um, they do not have any of the underlying methodology of Bitcoin. Uh, I don't think they have any of the attractions, really. They are pure speculations. And so from my point of view, they are absolutely for, uh, to be avoided by any serious investor. And it's as simple as that. Okay. So from what I understand, then, your overall conclusion is that Bitcoin is a risky investment. What other ways are there to play this theme indirectly? Well, the way I like to think about it, um, I mean, we can see there's obviously exploding interest and usage of cryptocurrencies and the underlying blockchain technologies. But I prefer to play the pixel shovels approach, which is to invest in those companies and sectors and industries that will indirectly benefit from continued growth in this area. 
the sort of industries and sectors I'm thinking of include semiconductors, because as again, we talked about things like Bitcoin mining, it requires enormous amounts of processing power. You need chips, you need semiconductor processors, particularly graphics processors, uh, as well as memory and storage. So that is leading, is, is a very strong growth area for semiconductors, number one. So I like that area. Number two, cybersecurity. We've talked about hacking, the risk of hacking. Digital privacy is incredibly important for all of your banking and financial transactions. So I think cybersecurity is another area which will continue to benefit from increased activity in this region. And thirdly, uh, fintech. Fintech, because I think um, these financial technology platforms to allow you to transact currencies, investments, as well as potentially cryptocurrencies, um, should continue to gain in importance and in terms of transaction volumes. And I think that is a third area where you can get indirect exposure to this, to the growth in this ecosystem. So those would be the three ways I would do, I would, I would play this as opposed to investing directly in Bitcoin. Okay, well, thank you very much, Ed Shing, for giving this interview today. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>